First Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 6, going to 16. is where we're going to be. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the day. I thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for this opportunity that we have today to gather together in this place and to worship you. I thank you for the many elements of worship that we've experienced here this morning, for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been lifted up, the gifts that have been given, and uh, Father, just the testimony that we hear through the singing of these songs is just a... It's pleasing to my ear, and Lord, we pray that it's pleasing to yours as well. Father, be honored and glorified through all that we say here today, through all that we do. Father, uh, you are good. You're loving, you're kind, you're gracious, you're full of mercy, and I just uh, am overwhelmed this morning by your love for us. Father, I pray that we, as we come to your word now, that you would speak to us in such a mighty way, that you would allow for us to know the truth of your word, allow for it to penetrate our hearts and sanctify our thinking and correct our desires, and Father, I pray that through it, we would know that you are here in our midst. As you speak to us, as you stir in our hearts, conviction and revelation and inspiration, we would know that you are here with us. We would know of your love, of your kindness, of your grace, of your mercy. Lord, I recognize that I have a part in this today. And so if you would, would you forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life? Give me the grace, Lord, that is needed to preach your word in a way that bring honor and glory to your name, in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and the relationship with you. Someone here today, Lord, that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation the day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And if that would happen, Lord, we would give you all the honor and all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Have you ever done something, and after you did, you realized you should have never done it? If you had only known what you knew now, you would have never done what you did. Yesterday we had a men's breakfast and I, I touched a pan that just came out of the oven. You, you, you just think to yourself, why did I do that, you know? It's not very smart, you know? It's just 375 degrees in there. Let's just put my flesh on that pan for a second. That sounds like a great idea, you know? I, uh, I was in college. I had a friend of mine. He was dating a girl and she was really nice and we all liked her and uh, not like that, but we, we liked her like, you know, she's a nice girl. And so... We liked that he was dating her. Let me put it that way. And uh, as I look at my wife over here. Uh, but 
they were going through some conflict and they decided to end the relationship, you know, and uh, he kind of started dating another girl. I think he thought maybe the grass was greener on the other side and he quickly realized how big of a mistake that he made. Kenny Rogers has a song that he sings with Gladys Knight or had a song that he sung with Gladys Knight. And it says this, if I knew then what I know now, I would have found a way to make things work out somehow. You ever been there? I bet if the 49ers would have known. <laughs> they were going to lose quarterbacks number three and four in last week's game. They would have found a way to sign number five. Not that it would have made a difference, but pretty brutal. Have you ever done something? And after you did, you realized, man, why did I do that? This past week, we all heard the news of a, what the media was calling a, a privately owned weather balloon from China that had been flying over the country this week. If you believe that, I've got some property in Buchanan County that's on the ocean. I'll sell it to you, okay? But the United States Department of Defense called it a, a Chinese high-altitude surveillance balloon. Many people ask the question, why didn't our you know, president take care of it before it Flied from sea to shining sea, you know what I mean? Like it would have made a lot more sense. I wonder if he wonders or if he thought to himself, maybe I should have taken care of this a little bit before I got out of hand. Friends, there have been a lot of people throughout history who have claimed to be wise and yet failed to practice any wisdom when needed. In our passage of scripture for today, Paul says that the if the wise and powerful of this world had been wise enough to know that Jesus Christ was in fact the Son of God, if, he really, if they would have been wise enough to know that Jesus is Lord, they would have never crucified him. Verse 6, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, Paul was speaking wisdom to the mature. He was. The word for impart is the same word for preach. Paul is saying, God does use the foolishness of preaching, but what is preached is not foolishness. The wise of the world at the time did not see it as wise preaching. They saw it as foolishness, but the mature did. The mature in the faith heard the words that Paul was preaching and they listened. They observed. The world that we live in is full of men and women who do not have a valuable faith. Your life, your commitment to Jesus makes no sense to them. You being here today is just odd, you know. You giving of your tithes, of your offering, your time, your service, for to be here on a Saturday and to paint a gymnasium wall. <laughs> to eat breakfast with people of like mind and faith. That makes no sense to them. But that does not discredit your faith. In the same way, if there's someone here today and they think to themselves, the word of God is foolishness, and then guess what? Their opinion doesn't discredit the word of God. Just as somebody might discredit your faith and somebody might discredit the word of God, their opinion doesn't hold weight in the reality 
of the Word of God and the reality of your faith and the reality and the eyes of God. It's just an opinion, friends. Doesn't mean that we stop preaching. Doesn't mean that we stop teaching. It doesn't mean that we stop living out our faith. Because there will be a day, friends, when God opens up their eyes and they see the truth of his word and they will see the wisdom of what they have been living and the teaching and preaching and and they will no longer be foolish. Unless, of course, they choose not to believe. They choose to see the wisdom of God and deny, walk away, unwilling to repent. Unwilling to yield to the conviction that's in their heart. Paul was teaching and preaching the wisdom of God to the mature. If you don't believe me, let's look at the next verse, verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. The wisdom of God that they spoke of was ordained by God from the very beginning. One commentator that I read this week said that through Paul's preaching, he made known the wisdom of God that was concealed from the minds of men. Friends, God's character never changes. His plan never changes. God is the same today as he was yesterday, and he'll be the same tomorrow as he, was, as he is today. He doesn't change. His plan doesn't change. His will doesn't change. God is faithful, true. And he is sovereign. He is in control of all things. Every aspect, friends, of our lives, every aspect of God's plan Let me put it this way. God's plan for, for redemption has never changed. If you look throughout the Old Testament, every story in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Every story, every narrative, every book that you read points man toward the need for Jesus Christ. And I believe this, that our lives, that our story today points us to our need for Jesus Christ. The things that are going on in the world today point us to Jesus Christ. And I think more importantly, they point to his return. It's going to happen one day, friends. One day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's been the plan all along, friends. There's a beginning to this book, there's an end to this book, okay? God created the world with the end in mind. He did. It's going to end one day. Your life will end one day. It started one day and it's going to finish one day. None of us can escape it, friends. God has a plan. He has a plan and a purpose for this world. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You can't escape it, friends. You can either run away from it or you can accept it. 
just as the historical leaders of old didn't understand God's plan. Many of our leaders today, I feel, I feel that they fail to understand the truth. Let's look at verse 8 for more. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. When the rulers of the world crucified the Son of God, they proved they were not keen to the wisdom of God. Imagine being on the wrong side of history of the crucifixion. I think there's a, there's a reason why the disciples were hiding in the upper room after Jesus was crucified, right? It wasn't pride that drove them there. But they weren't the leaders of it. They weren't, they weren't behind it. They denied him, of course, but they weren't the ones who drove in the nails, right? They weren't the ones screaming, crucify him, crucify him. But imagine being Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor who was behind the sentence of Jesus. We don't know a lot about his life, but he was a Roman governor for 10 years. I think it says something about his competency as a leader, does it not? That if you can be a, a governor in Rome for 10 years, I mean, he, he's not there by accident. He's not there because he's incompetent. Yet he made some poor decisions in his relationship to the Jewish people. The church historian Eusebius said this about Pilate, that he was so overwhelmed by his decisions, by shame, by guilt, that he took his own life. Imagine being Pilate, meeting Jesus face to face. <laughs> Going into the gates of heaven and seeing. <laughs> I'm not sure if it would be any worse for any of us today though, friends, if we deny Jesus Christ. I would, see, I would hate to see the fate of the man who denies Jesus as Lord. The wisdom that Paul speaks of is only revealed to us by God. The wisdom that we have is a, is a divine wisdom. It's re divinely revealed to you. We're not able to understand it. We are not able to receive it. We're not able to accept it unless it's by the grace of God. As we look at the rest of this chapter, we will see that Paul says that God gives us spiritual wisdom through revelation. He gives it to us through receiving, and he gives it through acceptance. Verses 9 to 11 show us that God's wisdom is revealed to us. But as, but as it is written... What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things that God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows that a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in, in, which is in him. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
Through the work of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God reveals all secrets to those who believe. The word revealed in Greek is apocalypto. It means to uncover. There's no more elitism, friends. No more need for a Levitical priest that has special access to God. The veil was torn. We're all priests. We all have the same access to God. One of the fundamental beliefs of the Baptist is the priesthood of the believers, that we're all on the same level playing field. That I, just because I stand behind this desk and or on the stage, like I, I don't have any closer relationship to God than you do. Like you asked me to pray, and I'm honored by that, but just know, friends, that you have the same access to God that I do. God doesn't love me more because I'm a pastor. God doesn't favor me. The grace that God has given to me is the same grace that's offered to you. We're all equal in the eyes of God. Same time, I, have you ever been at a point in your faith where you just have desired more from God than what you're receiving? I mean, you just wanted to be closer to Him, to be near. I remember as a young man in my quiet time, I, I told God that I wanted more from him. I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to be able to, to walk with him and to be nearer to him. I never forget that God responded to me with this verse, you know. And he shared with me, he said, listen, there's nothing that you can imagine on this earth that I can't do for you right now. Do you want to talk with me? Talk. If you want to walk with me, walk. If you want to sit down and eat a dinner with me, bon appetit. I mean, it's, what, what is it that you want that I can't do for you right now? What is it that you want to know that I can't tell you right now? You don't need to get to heaven in order for that to happen. You can know that right now. Romans 8, 9. You however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So if you want to talk to God, talk. If you want to have dinner, eat. If you want to walk, walk. God is just as much here in this place as you will be in heaven the day that you enter into those gates, friends. God is here. God is a spirit He's with you. He's at all places, at all times. There is no way that you can escape God, friends. God is with you. <laughs> Where can I go, the psalmist says, from your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. How many of us actually live a life, though, that actually resembles a belief that God is with us? 
God, that we have access to God, that all we have to do is to beckon his name and he's there. I mean, all we have to do, friends, is believe. I think if we truly believe that God was here today, that our life, that our responses would be much different. We often say that we want to know God, and yet the opportunity presents itself for us to spend time with him, and yet we run away from it. Maybe that's just me. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch, the wicked and the good. God is with you, friends, and you have access to the things of God. Verse 12 and 13 shows that we receive God's wisdom. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The Greek word for received is lambano. It means to take up. For you... Before you receive a gift, what has to happen? Someone has to give it to you, right? If not, then you're just taking it and it's no longer a gift, you're stealing. But in order to receive God's wisdom, Paul says that God has to give it to you. God does, not, God does this through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, we receive conviction, salvation, Christ-like living. Without it, we don't have spiritual wisdom. I think one of the things that is important for us to know about verse 13, it says, and we impart these in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. The we here is not, this, it's not me and you, it's not the church. Paul is saying the we here is the apostles. So that the apostles impart this wisdom that's been revealed to them by the Spirit of God in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. What is that, friends? What are all those words that the apostles used that was revealed to them by the Spirit of God? It's your Bible, friends. It's the Word of God. The Word of God was inspired by God to men for our good. It's not just mere words written on a page. It's not like, hey, I've, I got this going on. I'm going to just write this to, to deal with your issues. No, Paul says, I wrote these words because God revealed them to me. He told me these are the words that I need to write to you. They're inspired by God through the Spirit. And Paul was an apostle. He was a firsthand witness, friends. God came and interceded on his behalf. His calling, his life is different than yours and mine. He had access to things that we don't have access to. Okay, he's an apostle. I'm not. You're not. But he had the ability to write these words so that we might know the things of God. We might have spiritual wisdom. 
Without him, friends, we're blind. God gives these to you. It's a gift. In verse 14 and 16, Paul says that the wisdom of God is given through acceptance. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by one, by no one, sorry. Verse 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The Greek word for accept is dikonomai. It means to embrace, to follow. Paul says that the natural man does not embrace the things of God. It's foolishness to him. God is the only one, friends, that can give you the ability to accept the truth. God is the only one that can give you the grace that you need to accept. It's freely given to you. It's revealed to you by God. You have the the calling, friends, by God to accept it. Something I can't do for you, friends. I can present the truth till I'm blue in the face. But God has to be the one that opens the door. But you have to be the one who accepts it. You have to be the one that says, yes, I'll accept that free gift. I'll accept accept that wisdom, that knowledge, the truth. As much as God is at work, you have a part in play in accepting the truth of God's word through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins. This week, I uh, was able to eat lunch with uh, a, uh, Seth and I were able to eat lunch with a, a, a guy from the Ukraine. Uh, he's a friend of the Gossets, uh, Dustin Gossett and Don Gossett and Cheryl. And uh, his name is Shasha, and it really is a great, great lunch. And um, he's, he came to the United States last year because of a conference, and then when he was here, the, uh, the invasion, the Russian invasion of Ukraine happened, and so he is now a refugee here in the United States from Ukraine. He works with the FCA, he's a director there in the Ukraine, and uh, he's a young man, he's about 30 years old, he's married. Um, has two kids and another one on the way, and his his wife is pregnant, and they're expecting a baby in June. And uh, really, just delightful young man, and uh, uh, it was a pleasure to be around. John, thanks for that contact, and uh, and he he told me that he uh, that he plans to return to the Ukraine in June. Uh, his wife is due in May, and she is a uh, high-risk pregnancy so that they can't return 
any sooner than that. And I asked him the question, kind of a softball question really, why, why do you want to return to the Ukraine? I mean, that seems a little bit risky to do that, right? Especially with three young kids, 10, four, and a newborn baby. I mean, the wisdom of this age would say, hey, I'm not gonna take my young family back into harm's way, right? I mean, how many of you grandparents would want your grandkids going to Ukraine right now? But his answer was just really quite easy, right? I mean, it wasn't a hard question for him to answer. No, that's where God wants me to be. I know the risk, he says. I know the danger. My, my 10-year-old daughter, she knows the risk. She knows the dangers. My wife, who is the mother of these three kids, she knows. Yet we all know this is where God wants us to go. Doesn't make any sense. If you're a non-believer, why would you do that? Why would you risk it? But to someone who has staked their life on the gospel of Jesus Christ, nothing else makes sense. What makes sense to you? You know, as God calls you, as He beckons you, Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have here this morning to hear a word from you. Father, I pray that as you speak to us, that you would give us spiritual wisdom to know what you want us to do, who you want us to be. Father, speak to us right here, right now, in such a way that we know without a shadow of a doubt that your spirit is convicting us to know the truth, to follow you, to be obedient to your will for our lives. And I thank you for, for men like Sasha and for his family who are willing to go into harm's way to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, help us as men and women who, who have staked their lives in the gospel of Jesus Christ to go where you want us to go, to do what you want us to do, and to not allow for the foolishness of this world to persuade us to do anything else but your will. May you be honored and glorified for the decisions that we make here today. And Father, I pray that as we come to this time of invitation, that you would speak to us and that we would respond. And if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, the day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. And for the believer that's here, that may be struggling, that may be running away from their faith, that... I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them, that you would give them this time, that you would open up their heart, that you would convict them, and that you would show them that you are here, that you love them, and that you desire, Lord, to use them for the kingdom of God. And may we, you be honored today in all that we say and do, and Jesus name that we pray and all God's people said
Amen.